0: This is the
1: Video Jumpyard Podcast. Here, here. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. It's It's lion It's, a lion. it's a lion. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Well, hello.
0: From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half ape, with the strength of twenty demons. It's
1: time. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me as always, my very good friend and co-host, Eric O'Branson. Eric, how's it going?
0: Oh, it's going. (laughs) Doing better than some people, you know. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean?
1: But I heard it's been getting around,
0: (laughs) Um, especially in some places, like really concentrated here.
1: Yeah. I can't tell if you're talking about the White House or Oshkosh, Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Probably both, but
1: probably definitely. Yeah, I am officially (laughs) here in Oshkosh. I'm officially sitting in um, the worst place in the state of Wisconsin for COVID. And Wisconsin is currently the worst state in the nation. And the nation is the worst country in the world. So I am like the happy little center of a viral outbreak universe you hear that the meme
0: with the dog little dog sitting in the middle of the fire saying everything's okay here or whatever it is that, this is
1: just, yeah, fine. just everything's fine. fine everything's this fine, is fine. Yeah. this is fine this is fine well and it's been funny talking to some people that you know i mentioned that my kids are still you know at with doing the, the virtual learning at home entirely and i have had some some people i know that aren't real keen on wearing masks Say things like, well, how many cases did they have in the school? And I said, none. Oh, then why are they closing the schools? I'm like, because of the fucking community. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to keep it out of the school. That's the point of being proactive. It's because nobody will stop going to the bars, including college students. Though I am, actually, I'm going to give a little shout out. I'm very proud of the University of Wisconsin-Oshkosh. Because when we went back into session in September, including some in-person teaching and a lot of virtual teaching. Um, they started a program where they were just randomly and actively s- testing as many students as they can, students, faculty, and staff. Good. And in the beginning of September we had a we had over 10 percent infection rate on campus. Wow, which was very scary. I canceled field trips and canceled in classroom meetings and stuff. But with the contact tracing, they found out that the virus was not spreading in classrooms. It was spreading from house parties. It was spreading from going out to the bars and extracurriculars and going to church and things like that. Of course. So, since they've been doing this very strict contact tracing and they've been testing so many people uh, and quarantining and sending people home right away, the uh, on-campus rate right now, in, in a week, it dropped to three percent.
0: Nice. So some new cases. is what.
1: Um, just overall act, active yeah. active cases. Yeah, active cases went from ten percent to three percent in about a week. Hmm. So now very they're drastic improvement. Very drastic, and um, it caught the attention of the CDC, who is now going to start allowing our university to use the rapid tests rather than three day test. Oh, to cool. hope that it can lower that even faster. So, I'm really proud of them for for doing that, and they're they're working a lot with the community as well but otherwise i've needed some kind of a mental outlet from all of this insanity so uh uh been actually trying to watch there's a lot of cool series on right now that i've been watching we haven't talked about series much lately is there anything you've been watching lately in your, oh, your free time
0: not really um worked my way through a lot of the new star trek stuff in the past couple months so i finished star trek picard um got about halfway through the the animated series lower decks when um my cbs subscription ran out and i didn't renew it just to finish that may be considered a review of the show even though it's i don't know it's not terrible but it wasn't worth the the renewal just for it at least not to me maybe i'll catch Mm -hmm. the rest of it at some point but
1: um yeah,
0: that's uh probably the anything new uh, my wife and I are working our way through the the series Homeland. I don't know if it was on Showtime years back. Um, oh yeah, with Claire Danes and um, yeah, Mandy Potemkin or whatever his name is, um and Diego Montoya. The uh Yeah. <laughs> the uh, um and that's she likes it more than I do. I am I'm, I'm almost over it. It seems like Showtime out of any any series of producing shows knows how to burn
1: a show out really fast. So but. I would totally agree. They have a good habit of, uh, of of doing that, except it usually doesn't stop them from continuing <laughs> to churn out episodes. And That's I'm talking, right. of course, about Dexter. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm still not over how god-awful that was. Oh, I'm sure but, we've
0: ranted about that plenty of times, but yes, I agree.
1: <laughs> yeah. We um, have been enjoying Lovecraft Country on HBO. And yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to get one of these days i'm going to get me
0: an hbo max subscription no, yeah
1: <laughs> but well i can't do you know. hbo max because i'm using a roku and it's still ah. not available on roku god damn it um but just watching like the hbo on demand yeah thing um it, it so and i'm also at the same time i'm going through the audiobook of, of lovecraft country and cool. there are some some differences and they've recently addressed those differences in a very meta way on the show which is kind of funny um but, uh, yeah, that's a show that I can't say any episode has been filler. You know, you get that occasionally. Yeah. Um, Walking Dead did a lot of it, they had entire seasons that felt like filler. Um, <laughs> it's but, quite we watching, uh, yeah, though. Didn't it just end last night? I have no idea. I've been out before. for years at this point, but yeah, I finished the comic series, but not the show, but yeah, it, um. Uh Lovecraft Country's been consistently good and also very poignant. I mean it's yeah. a really kind of interesting way of of working through some of the themes of H.P. Lovecraft um and also a lot of uh you know racial issues and civil rights issues. So I have to say that the uh the episode that aired last night which was October 4th uh is definitely the creepiest one I think I've seen. Uh, it it is straight up nightmare fuel. Hmm so that's yeah, my review of that one that is there was a, a lot of I'm definitely a lot of me watching it going fuck that <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely creepy it's worth checking out i i think uh and again i haven't finished yet it's there's two more episodes i guess but it it's yeah. uh it's one that i'll definitely be picking up on on disc or something at some point uh,
0: cool. yeah i've heard honestly i don't think i've heard a bad review. For, well of anything that i would take seriously you have your mm-hmm. people out there yelling about it probably haven't even watched it they hate it for whatever bias reason they have um, bias being a nice word but um, i haven't read a serious review of it from something that has been bad i mean it's supposedly a really good show so
1: yeah yeah it handles all of its source material well and there's some some very touching episodes and some that are downright as last night was downright terrifying yeah, um, very disturbing. So, uh, it's got to
0: be a little bit of that if it's gonna, you know,
1: use the name Lovecraft on it. I suppose, well, but and I think also just dealing with the the themes and content that it's that's doing, it's it's gonna be disturbing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's bound to. And speaking of disturbing <laughs> and fucking strange, do this. We... <laughs> we're gonna do this. um Yeah, the movie for tonight that we're gonna be reviewing is, uh, oh God, how do you even classify this one? It's a horror film, but it, yeah, it's it a is. But it, cult horror film. Could
0: maybe call it horror comedy, but not really.
1: Not intentionally, <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. Yeah. No. We're, we're nothing. We'll it, go with
0: it, cult horror.
1: Let's put it this way. If, it, if, it is, if it's a horror, if it's a comedy horror, the comedy is like a conjoined twin to it. It's, yeah, it's, it's related to it but it's a little bit stunted <laughs> because of course the movie we're talking about is the 1982 American horror film Basket Case what is the secret Dwayne
0: is hiding
1: in the basket
0: what's in the basket some of the tenants claim to have heard noises coming from this room like someone on a rampage.
1: What's in the basket?
0: (laughs) You're that kid Needleman warned me about, the Bradley boy, the freak we separated.
1: I know an awful lot of guys, Dwayne. But you're... different. What's in the basket? What's in the basket? <laughs> What's in the basket? My brother. You're <laughs> Open it. If you dare. <laughs> basket case. So had you seen this one before?
0: No, this is the first time. Um, like I've been saying a lot lately, because we've been finding all this, you know, stuff on Tubi, old video store kind of classics. Um, this is one that was kind of on my wall of shame. It's a movie I've been aware of for many years, um, and just never gotten around to actually seeing the film. Um, I'm I was even like aware of like when right when away right when it said Basket Case, like I could picture, you know, not only like the, like poster art and the like video box art for it but also some of the like pictures of special effects and stuff that i've just i've so i've read a, a bunch about this movie as well but yeah i never had a chance to see it so was happy to knock this one off the wall of shame so you now i
1: think i've seen one of the sequels okay but maybe <laughs> um but i know i'd never seen the original before and this was one that i've, I've heard of for years i've heard references to it but I never actually had the privilege of watching <laughs> um so uh written and directed by Frank Henenlaufer produced by Edgar uh Levens no, Ivans excuse me um it uh stars Kevin Van I'm going to butcher the last name I'm sorry uh rick Kevin Van Henenrick maybe that I didn't it's pretty good uh stars as a normal looking person Dwayne Bradley um who seeks vengeance for an unwanted surgery that separated him from his deformed, conjoined twin brother, uh Bel-Ail. Yes. And it all takes place in early 80s Times Square, which at the time was rather seedy and gross. Mm-hmm. Of course, Times Square today is seedy and gross for very different reasons. It's like a cartoon <laughs> with a pulse. <laughs> yeah. Back then it was like Fritz the Cat with a pulse. <laughs> um, and... if. Essentially, yeah, he shows up in New York City with this big locked wicker basket and he gets himself a cheap room at a hotel, uh kind of a bowery type thing, and he's got his deformed brother in there and it, it just uh who who's communicates with him telepathically. Yes. And is psychotic. <laughs> and when he's you see also, her, you know, yeah
0: little more than just a head with arms um a little maybe a little bit of a tail kind of spine tail coming off the back of him but um yeah uh-huh so what were your <laughs> thoughts on the story of this one oh this movie is just totally insane um it story-wise it you know interestingly enough it got me into it like lit i liked the way that it kind of opened and um I mean, not that it was ever like a serious mystery like where you're diving into like the what-ifs and whatever but it didn't like spell everything out for you at once it kind of gave you little seeds of what was going on and then eventually you got the whole like flashback and the whole story about you know them being separated by the doctors you could have guessed this whole story just by kind of what's going on in the beginning of it but i do like how they didn't just like info dump it on you at the beginning um And, you know, it kind of left you wondering what exactly was in the basket at first. Then when you saw it was in the basket, well, what the hell is it? Oh, you know, it's his brother. He talks to it in his head and all this stuff. And um, so you got to just kind of put the the pieces together of the plot. And uh, I actually think that worked. I think in, you know, had you gotten the whole like it dropped in your lap as a prologue to the movie, um, it wouldn't have had anything else to do for the rest of the movie and so, right. so so it was smartly constructed and that helped the movie out a lot but yeah it's it's a pretty crazy story and um it gets crazier as it goes on and as the, you know other other characters uh, you know not only the does he hunt down the doctors that he's uh that, that separated them but also you know people living in kind of the seedy hotel with Dwayne and um you know there's a love interest that comes into it at, at one point and um yeah i don't know it's 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 crazy <laughs> i like, think i actually got a kick out of it because it's it's so off the wall so yeah not something you see every day
1: yeah um it uh, that's one thing i did appreciate about it was the pacing mm-hmm. um it it they don't make it a big secret what you're getting into it, i don't know it's, it's and i'm gonna make some comparisons here that it does not deserve but i'm gonna do <laughs> it anyway it's kind of like jaws in the way you know what this is about yeah It's not, I mean, they, they, you figure it out really quick, but, and, and they don't really hide it, but it is paced, uh, throughout the movie, and then throughout the movie, you see more and more, and, you know, they, they're a little more obvious about it, so that was something I thought was pretty good, um, but of course, like any story, it's being moved, you know, along by its cast, and as we mentioned, you know, you, 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 Kevin van uh, Hettonrick as Dwayne Bradley mm-hmm. but this also stars uh, some other people uh, Terry Susan Smith is the character Sharon Beverly uh, Bonner as Casey um, and then there's a, a number of, of these supporting characters uh, there's a hotel manager and a bunch of doctors and <laughs> yeah um, the hotel manager is an interesting <laughs> character in it but oh oh yeah his, well his and, job and he... seems
0: to be to run up and down the stairs and yell at people so it's like... yep
1: yeah and there's also you know quite a uh the the one cast and i want to get your your thoughts on some of the performances in the cast but one cast member if we can really call it that that is really important in this actually is the uh the setting the city the way that new york city is used in this oh yeah
0: it's a very new york movie so Um. yeah it's the very kind of the same way that um a movie we watched a couple weeks back miss 45 uses new york city yes. as such an integral part of its uh of what it does um yeah so we've we've actually seen just in the past few weeks two like very new york-centric movies and you know he's Dwayne and i guess you know belial as well um are you know kind of hodunks from upstate or whatever <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and uh kind of have that kind of fish out of water thing going for them um an outsider and so yeah you you, i guess you kind of see new york through through those eyes but Dwayne, unlike you know many of the kind of fish out of water in the big city kind of stories i don't feel like he is you know as terrified by the city as um as, as some people in his position would be he's able to like kind of check into this seedy motel in a bad part of town and um you know or at least it's the red light district really more than a bad part of town but you know there's certainly a, a number of seedy characters hanging around even the place where he's living and um he's very set into his mission which is to eliminate these doctors he's f- he feels has wronged them so, um, you know, throughout the movie, there are moments where you, th- I think, you get to feeling that Dwayne is the sane and rational kind of straight man character, and I'm not so sure that's true. But, <laughs>
1: like... well, there's there's some weird stuff that go on where the the last act of the movie is really all over the place. But it, did I see it right? It almost seemed that they mentally switched places for a moment or there's the scene at the very end when they they attack the nurse sharon Mm -hmm. and it seemed like well
0: i don't know like like it's kind of played off like it's a dream but he's obviously in belail's head yeah as he's you know attacking sharon um Mm -hmm he believes it to be himself that is you know dream i think he believes it to be a dream it's played like it's a dream but then realizes as things get um okay. as you kind of see start seeing maybe he realizes at the same time you as the viewer realize that oh wait a second we're actually seeing through belial's eyes he's actually out doing these things to that person and he realizes that and so i don't think it's much of a switch places as has a moment of you know being able to like see that that telepathic link that they're sharing he actually right can see through his eyes for a moment which uh, is the only time in the film that that is that is
1: used yeah yeah which is i think what was confusing about it is you have their you know communicating but not seeing through each other's eyes kind of a thing which was right a little strange and it is passed off as like it's a he's dreaming
0: but it, they're still connected so he can kind of feel and sense what he's up to um
1: so. But yeah, the, he's uh, a... <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say yeah, it, it it was some of the some of the storytelling is a little bit disjointed that way because you know they're, they're trying to cram a lot in here. Um and so some of it I found to be a little bit disjointing like that, but you know you 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 figure out what's what's going on. Yeah. Um I I want to talk a bit about the effects. Oh yeah. Holy shit.
0: Um <laughs> they run the gamut in this movie from from it totally works to some some stuff that's questionable so what okay i'd
1: like to know what worked
0: (laughs) um in general i liked the design of the creature and i liked that they have the actor kevin van hentrick um whatever um play both you know Dwayne and blile being that they're twins it kind of makes sense but like the way they mm -hmm. kind of craft the the I think it's convincing him his like facial features and stuff and you could really tell when they're not using the face when it's like a rubber yeah. model. So um but yeah, I know I I like the way that they use the the real head when he has, you know, scenes where he's able to do that and it's not just like a rubber puppet. <laughs> then the, you know, they have they also have the, you know, 1940s movie snake attack thing where it's just a man jiggling a rubber snake around they do that with belial a lot in this movie as well yeah just attach the rubber bottle to the actor but um again this is a kind of movie i'm going to throw a lot of forgiveness because it's obviously a very low budget very um you know kind of i always go for the term cult cult is not something a movie can be until after it's you know developed kind of its uh following but but i think it's aware of what it's going for it's kind of one of the, you know, exploitation horror film Um, yeah and so yeah i feel like a certain like at least for me i I give it a certain amount of forgiveness on stuff like that not to mention that it's unintentionally hilarious most of the time when they're doing things like that so oh the stop motion yeah (laughs) um yeah i was surprised that there was stop motion and it It doesn't seem like they really whoever did do the stop motion animation really grasped the idea of what they were doing yeah but like, it's not exactly Ray Harryhausen
1: quality here no it's it's not it's not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer it's not Ray Harryhausen it's it's uh it it's like
0: kid with camcorder that has his yeah. uh you know uh, action figures do a little walk across
1: the living room kind of stop motion it reminded me of like a a, a pink colored Slimer from Ghostbusters yes. being being made out of Play-Doh or clay, being you know animated like you said with somebody's stop you know camcorder
0: animated um, is a, is a you know that would be pushing it. It's more like you know just kind of like
1: sliding really jerkily across <laughs> the, the, the carpet. carpet. But, and you know, I and I know the movie had a budget of thirty five thousand dollars, and you can tell a lot of that went into um, oh shit, most of it probably went into permits and and you know a, <laughs> right. the the rubber prosthetic all, um yeah puppets but the full size s- yeah at, which is in itself is totally inconsistent because they've, they've got the basket and you see the 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 glove puppet of its arm moving around and it takes up a good quarter of the basket yeah yeah and then you see the size of it and like this things it's just it's really inconsistent which is kind <laughs> of amusing at one point doesn't he like go down in the toilet and he's yes he is he's hiding in the toilet yep. he's hiding in the toilet like in not in the bowl like down in the pipes and he's got to call him back up and it's like th- so it's totally inconsistent <laughs> but um at some point somebody had to look at the stop motion and go no this isn't this this is not working at all yeah I, so I'm, I, I i'm surprised I it made
0: the final cut of the film because like i said I, it's not really even stop motion animation it's just like like i'm pretty sure you know playing around with your dinosaur models when we were kids we made some better looking stop motion stuff than this but or at least
1: on par yeah and and we were kids you know um it's
0: those those are certainly the low point of uh the special effects in the film however i I kind of have to love it a little bit for giving it a shot, but yeah, I'm not sure how it made it into the finished version of the film because I don't think any of it was necessary. You could have cut around it and still told the story just fine. You know, oh, he got out of the basket. We can can know that by, you know, the next scene he's not in the basket anymore. So um, they didn't even have to include them. I feel like it was one of those things like, hey, we spent good money. The studio delivered this stuff. We don't really like it, but whatever. It's got to go in there. We spent money (laughs) on it.
1: We spent money on it, and if people laugh at it, they laugh at it. If they don't, they don't. It
0: it does have that effect. Like, like all the bad special effects in this are, are, you know, they have that gift of being unintentionally hilarious. I love the attack thing, you know, I was talking about where they literally just like, okay, hold the puppet, now we're going to squirt some blood on you, and you're just going to gyrate around like he's attacking you, just shake him up real good. Like, (laughs) um, that's... uh, yep how he attacks people and it, it, it's great it's, it's it's hilarious and and whether or not that was their intention you know from a screenplay aspect or going into production it had to have at some point been embraced because that's the charm of this movie i think and it's also what i i have not seen the sequels but from reading about them i believe they fully embrace that uh comedy aspect going forward so they're 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 aware of what pe- what worked and you know what didn't in the finished film so
1: well, you know, I yeah, I do feel like this, and again, I'm making comparisons that it doesn't deserve. But um, I recently rewatched and introduced my daughter to Evil Dead Two. Oh yeah, because you know she's ten. That's old enough. It's Evil Dead Two. It's intentionally <laughs> gory comedy, right? Yeah. It's, it's there's a lot of slapstick. Stick, I guess. But yeah. the first, and it's so over the top and ridiculous, and it's not scary and it's not seriously gory. The first Evil Dead film is intended to be a true scary movie, and there are some legit creepy scenes in it. Yep, um, Very creepy. Uh, but its its effects and some of the acting and the production quality is is subpar, very low budget, kind of like Basket Case, that it created this phenomenon where all the sequels just had fun with it then. And I feel like this is the same kind of story. You know? The first Basket Case film is intended to be a horror film, and yeah. they do. They only had thirty-five thousand dollars to use, so they said, "Fuck it, we're going to make what we can." And again, I think I've seen parts of Basket Case too. Yeah, um, it just seems familiar. Like I read the synopsis, I'm like, "That seems really familiar," but I don't remember anything about it. Um, but again, you can just tell from looking at the trailers to it that they definitely are taking it into a, a you know more comedic place. Right um let
0: well, see what worked about the first movie and they move forward so yeah i think the evil dead comparison is
1: is very appropriate because i feel like that's kind of the route they went with that as well and so you know i wouldn't i don't feel like this one was intending to be funny i think it was all unintentionally humorous um and i can give that a pass for a while you know i i, I guess i'm i'm not quite as forgiving as maybe i used to be about that there's one thing in here that that kind of killed it for me a lot and that is Balliol doesn't speak he telepathically speaks to his brother otherwise he just kind of screams yeah yep and it is the most obnoxious scream that i think i've heard especially that much in a movie in a long time
0: <laughs> it's very obnoxious it's quasi disturbing because it seems unhinged and like
1: um but yes he screams a lot (laughs) a whole lot like just for no reason just ah so yeah there'll be that that took me out of it um a lot like okay i get a few obnoxious noises and stuff here but it just kept fucking going so but you know what? Like we said, this there's a legacy to this. There's two other films. There's Basket Case two, which came out in 1990, and Basket Case three, The Progeny, which came out in 91. Um, all of them directed by uh, Hennenlauter, mm-hmm. who who's become a bit of a name himself with with horror. Yeah. Um. You know, well, especially he's, he's, like this kind of flavor of stuff.
0: Like it pretty much his films. Uh. I think kind of fit into that horror i want to say the rest of his films kind of fit into the horror comedy genre um this one maybe like you said not so much at least not so much intentionally fitting into that uh, genre i think it fits right in there as a finished product but
1: well and we'll we'll actually be talking about another uh hen and lauder film here pretty soon yeah. um yeah. Uh, with his, his film brain damage but this is the same guy who also made frankenhooker and bad biology and he's been featured a lot in uh documentaries about sexploitation movies and herschel gordon lewis films and stuff like that yeah. so you know he, he definitely has a name for himself in in this type of he of uh you know low budget gore films he included a dedication to
0: hg lewis at the end of this film if you stuck around for the credits but yeah dedicated to herschel gordon lewis so he's obviously a fan and that places this film in like perfect context for me if like that's you know if that's what he's he's into as a filmmaker and going into the like um if you've ever seen any of hg lewis's movies um this thing looks like a masterpiece compared to (laughs) much of what is if if hg lewis is a uh hero of his then you know I think he's, he's surpassed him even in this first basket case film when it comes to like quality of, of film and quality of performance from his actors. And that's hilarious because some of the actors in this movie, that's one of the things I wrote down is like, uh, you know, if this wasn't what it was and I didn't have like the expectations for it, like some of the performance in this is just essentially non-performance. It's people kind of barely talking their lines. (laughs) Like, um, like the main actors all, all work just fine for the most part, but uh, what's her name, the the neighbor next door that ends up being, like, his friend, and, um... Is that Casey? Is that... Yeah, I think so. Um... she... is probably the best example. Oh, no, actually, uh, Dr. Cutter, at the end, uh, played by Diana Brown in the film, is one of my... It's gotta go at the top of my list of, like, laughably bad, I can't believe this person's in a movie acting, um and the scene at the end of the movie when she is for her like murder scene uh with belial and Dwayne, is probably one of the it's it's the thing that knocks this down from like an a cult movie for me down to like a b because it's just a poorly conceived terribly acted and like badly staged attack scene like The the Belial attack scenes all go on a little long, but this one's really long and like they could have cut a lot of this and kind of saved the scene a bit, but it like the special effects are wonky and it just keeps it's like shit, cut camera, you know, cut film there. Get out of that shot, go to another shot, do something, speed up the pace of it, and you could've made a real scene out of this, but you just made like uh you know, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. That scene stuck out as a store thumb as a a example of like you know, probably. You know, in the case that he made this thing for thirty-five thousand dollars, probably. uh Well, we did as good as we could. We got three actors in a tiny room and did a did an effects scene, and it's done, and we can't shoot it again because we're out of money. Let's move on, kind of thing. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that seems
1: pretty <laughs> spot on. But the fact know? that it
0: was the you know climax of the film, kind of. um I mean, I guess the true climax of the film was getting back to the hotel and, like, everything that goes down there, but, mm-hmm. um, but you know, this was the doctor they hunted down and the last doctor that they were hunting down, and um, it was really a let... Like, that, that scene was a bit of a letdown. Everything else in this movie worked for me, for the most part. That one was rough,
1: but... So... Do you have any, uh, overall final thoughts or anything on this one? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, what did I want to talk about? The
0: thing that worked for me the most about this movie, and this is going to be kind of odd because we have, we've kind of been focusing on the, like, exploitation-y, um, vibe of this thing, that it's kind of, you know, it's violent, it's, uh, kind of gross at points, it's kind of got a, I don't know if I would call it risque, but like a... It's got kind of a seedy feeling to the whole thing mm-hmm. because of where it's set in Times Square, and also because the the story is just kind of off kilter. You know, it's this this conjoined twin that's been hacked off, and he's uh, acting as kind of the you know dark side of Dwayne's character. Um, but I think the thing that sells this whole story, as crazy as it is, is the fact that there's some actual like um, you actually can get to feel for these characters, especially when you jump back and see the flashback the flashback actually works really well and it works really well where it's placed in the film because you've already learned a lot about the the two of them um and then you go back and you find out like the actual story and believe it or not there's some real like shit there (laughs) Mm -hmm. like they actually do a pretty good job of making you like feel bad at least for duane i don't know if you ever get like a whole lot of but you, you understand why belial is the way he is um because, you know, he has been treated like a monster since the second he was born by his parents. And, you know, typical monster movie stuff, but it's done pretty well. Um, And that surprised me. Like, in this movie, I think that's what, what, at the end of the day, bought me in more than anything, is, like, there was this, like, really kind of well-written and uh, well-conceived backstory. It was constructed well, that it played well in the film where it was, and um, generally just made a pretty entertaining movie from beginning to end with some real actual, like, pathos in it um i think i read that a direct quote in one of the reviews on the wikipedia page by the way that i'm not quoting but um but yeah like they it's it actually works um in a way that i'm not gonna say it's gonna you know bring a tear to your eye or anything it's not that kind of movie but that extra weight of giving your characters some actual you know backstory some actual some trauma that they live through that's led them to to come to this place where you find them at the beginning of this film is um sure it's interesting and and, and is unique um in this sort of movie I think but
1: totally uh in fact I, I would agree I think the the flashback scene of the hospital of not the hospital the flashback scene of their separation mm-hmm. is was was much uh harder to watch for reasons I didn't expect yeah yeah it it, it definitely has an impact like it, I mean again we talk about spoilers on this but uh you know they they're forced into being separated against their will
0: yeah well because um, belial was supposed to die like they were just yeah. gonna say they're just gonna take him away i mean it didn't matter to anybody because he wasn't a fully formed human it didn't matter to anybody that he was mentally you know formed they also didn't believe duane when he said that he could talk to him yeah and um you know that he was a functional at least mentally a functional human being and uh yeah so so yeah yeah, there's some real weight you get to it for you i think until that point he's a monster to you as well and then all of a sudden it gives you this this scene or series of scenes and this flashback and you come back to the to the modern part of the narrative and with a whole new appreciation for the situation i'm not saying you still don't you know see some of at least you have reasons for why he's a monster it's like why how you understand frankenstein's monster and his reaction to things um you know he he's thrown out by society and he's pushed so far um does that make it okay that belial like you know his his goal by the end of this film seems to be like he really wants to you know i don't know if you i don't know if you'd really want to say he really wants to rape somebody but <laughs> um he uh it's certainly, he has a bone to pick with the fact that he can't have a sexual or, or romantic relationship with somebody, and that becomes yeah. like the perseverating thing of the third act of the film, which um, I don't think you get context for anywhere else, but anyway.
1: Yeah, that was something I, I kind of felt that was thrown in. They, they could have done something a little different with that i but, mean
0: honestly you could have set you could
1: have set the stage for that with a conversation
0: between the two of them when he first like has starts right. being attracted to the you know or,
1: or hanging out with the the secretary girl that he meets um yeah because ultimately it just comes off like baliol is is upset about feeling abandoned and so mm-hmm. he doesn't want doing getting close to anybody else because he would feel like he'd be rejected which he's got a he's got you know, context and pretense for. Yeah. So, I get that. But, yeah, then all of a sudden there's this kind of sexual thing at the end, which was, I mean, it felt off. It, it felt it, exploitive. It
0: makes sense. They just didn't set it up properly. Sure. Like, if that's really where you were going with it, then you should have given it some, you know, some thought, given him, given it a conversation, you know, the, you know, the one-sided, we'd hear the one-sided Dwayne part of the conversation, but, like, you know, give it a few lines of, that that is bugging him that is something he's thinking about is his inability to have that kind of a relationship with somebody so he does have that jealousy factor it's not just Dwayne's time it's also Dwayne's happiness and Dwayne's ability to have a romantic relationship and and etc cetera, etc cetera. um mm-hmm. and and again like just the I guess the the real point I'm trying to I guess I'm trying to make with all of this is that we're able to talk about this stuff because this is a little bit better movie than it seems to be on the surface you could probably even watch this whole thing and not realize it when you get thinking about it like there's all that stuff going on i just wish they would have developed that part of it a little bit better because it seemed like you said it seemed like straight out of i mean it it is an exploitation film in a lot of ways but i don't feel like that needed to be that could have been explained better in his character like it could have been handled a little better.
1: Well, and, and to kind of echo what you were saying before about, you know, there's an there's a reason why there's this type of behavior and these type of, of actions, but it doesn't excuse them. Yeah, uh, And I think Frankenstein's a great example of that. And there's a handful of others, and it's something we kind of forget about with our movie villains sometimes, is especially monsters, is they do horrible, unspeakable, unforgivable, disgusting things, and it's okay to have a reason why and not excuse it yeah and and this does a good job of that I'll, I'll give it that you know you've it's it's not every every villain isn't freddy krueger you know where their motivations for why they're pissed are unfounded yeah you know it's like oh they burned me alive for killing their children yeah motherfucker that's gonna happen <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know and you deserved it, it. <laughs> and you deserved it in this case it was like ah oh, they they were totally wronged and i understand the vengeance yeah um that screwed up and i you know i think he was screwed up before that happened but yeah it, this that didn't help
0: um but i mean in the beginning of this film you get this like kind of feeling that You know, maybe he's always been a monster, but then you find out, like, no, he was—he was created. He was turned into a monster. He was born deformed, but he was turned into a monster by the way he was treated by people,
1: right? The people that should have been protecting him, yeah, the most, yeah. So so I think
0: it's it's those exact kind of things that made this, you know, a little bit more than your average piece of schlock. I mean, it's entertaining either way, and it's certainly, uh, you know, one of those not for everybody type of horror films but i don't know it just seems like there's something a little bit more a, a uh, little smarter uh, and a little bit bit more character uh, yeah. driven going on there and it, it's a classical monster movie like you pointed out because it's got mm-hmm. that kind of attention to you know what yep. created belial the way made him the way he is and it's not the deformity <laughs> like... yeah
1: I, I i don't know if i'd go and not to say you said this but i don't know if i'd go so far as to say this movie has heart i mean it's i mean that, that yeah maybe I, I it has something but i don't mm-hmm. know if i'd go i don't know if i tell somebody that as a way of like i don't know to me that connotates a very different type of story <laughs> it's not <laughs> you know? heartwarming but it's not <laughs> heartwarming it it has there was some thought put into the motivation um And, and I can see, you know, how this film got made. Um, I questioned some of the, as Ryan would put it, bold creative decisions that were made. But I I can see where they were going with the story. And so the story, you know, it's schlocky, but it does have some, some interesting turns in it that provide more context than you would get from your, like you said, your average kind of schlock film like this. So um, I I guess if, if you had to give this one a grade, um, what do you think? Um
0: I don't know. I thought this one was pretty great. It's uh and again, it's it's I do think because it's one that I kind of has been built up in like my appreciation of like cult movies and it's just one of those like got to see it type of films on um but I really had a lot of fun watching it. And I was impressed by the fact, you know, the stuff we were just talking about that there was like a little bit of like classical monster movie stuff going on in there. So, um I kind of I think I I feel like I know where Frank Henenlotter was coming from in a, in some of those things. Um, detracting points, I guess there are a couple of moments like I like I wrote down in my notes so that this gets so z-grade that it looks like an Ed Wood movie, um, mm-hmm. and and it's weird because it's patchy. Like there's parts of it that work really well, and then it'll go do, it'll go down that road like where you'll be like, okay, well. Um, that person can't act their way out of a paper bag or whatever, but um so there is that to detract from it a little bit. There's the the quality of the special effects at times. Um the quality of the special effects are, are, are generally fairly poor. But sometimes they're funny poor and sometimes they're just I don't know. Like it, it actually disrupts what's going on poor. So there's there's a difference. But if I have to rate it based entirely on my enjoyment of the film, which I try to that's, you know, what I try to draw Uh, my grades from i think i would give this one a b i got a kick out of it i think it was uh it was a good watch and um i was pretty impressed by the you know the monster movie aspects of it as i keep coming back to
1: nice i i I think uh i'm I'm gonna come in a little bit lower um for me like i do recognize that there there's actually a story here and it's a, a revenge tale um it it does have some thought like i said put into the motivations behind the characters i think the acting with with some of the characters is fine some of it's really really bad comically bad (laughs) the effects go from okay that's clearly a puppet but i can overlook that to what the who who approved this (laughs) this the stop motion was was a moment when i don't know it was almost like the 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 scene from The Thing when the head turns into the spider creature and the guy says, you got to be fucking kidding me. That <laughs> kind of, if I would have been smoking a cigarette, it would have been dangling out of my lips like race dance in Ghostbusters.
0: You know, I honestly um, thought that there was something wrong with my Roku that I was watching and I thought it was like hanging glitching. up, you know, like glitching <laughs> or something. And then after, after my eyes adjusted, I was like, oh, no, that's just how it looks. Okay, cool. On we go. Um,
1: you know, all that being said, like I said, the, 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 the incessant nonstop screaming of the creature was just, it it went from being comical to, okay, now I'm constantly adjusting the volume on my TV. Um, I I just, I, I think maybe my constitution for these is starting to shake a little bit, but overall I, I finished the movie by saying, well, okay, I finished that. Um, I can say I've seen it. But I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Um, so but I recognize it for its points that it has. So I'm actually going to give this one a C+. Um, yeah. It's not terrible. I think if you've, this would be a fun one to have with a group of people and a lot of beer. Um, I, I think this is a film that could potentially elevate itself to being a like movie theater cult classic people laughing along and yelling shit at the screen rocky horror style Mm -hmm. it's got enough schlock in it for that but it also has enough of that kind of seriousness to it where it'd be hard to do that so it's it's kind of a little bit all over the place but overall i'm glad that i saw it i can say i've seen it. i don't know if i'll be rushing out to watch it anytime again real soon but Mm -hmm. so c plus so i think we're you know i came in a little lower but that's you know, that's just kind of where I fell with it. But I really would love to know what any of our listeners think of uh, Basket Case and any uh, any of the sequels, if you happen to see them. Uh, please address any questions, comments, criticisms, or criticisms about Basket Case or any of the other uh, films that we've watched here on the Video Junk Air podcast. You can email us at podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at videojunkpod or Find us on Facebook at Video Junkyard Podcast Group or the main Video Junkyard page. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. And if you leave us a comment or suggestion, we will talk about it on the show.
0: And coming up next week on the Video Junkyard Podcast, we will be continuing our Halloween marathon of horror films, um, which isn't really that out of the ordinary here on the Video Junkyard Podcast, but we are specifically picking horror films for the month of October to celebrate Halloween with everybody. Next week, we are going to be checking out the 1985 Steve Miner film, House. Not to be confused with the 70s Japanese um, film, not that you would, but this is the, uh, you know, George Wendt starring... 1985
1: horror comedy house awesome yes <laughs> and it's numerous sequels or just i think we're just gonna stick with house i There's agree it's gonna stick with the sequels. first one there are four of these things yeah and
0: i've only seen the first one i believe so maybe someday if uh we'll uh, get around to doing the, the rest of those but
1: yeah but otherwise we look forward to checking out house next week and hopefully you will join us and we want to thank you once again for checking out the Video Junkyard Podcast. And until then, this is Joe Peterson. I'm Erigo Branson. Have a good night. You have been listening to the
0: Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but
1: I'm having an old friend.
0: You just can't let them
1: go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors.
0: We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com/slash video junkyard podcast, on Twitter at video junk pod, and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast. All one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.